0: I'm the owner of Free Math and Nutrition, a nutrition coaching practice helping women make peace with food, heal their relationship with their body, and create sustainable health habits. We welcome all foods over here, from kale salads to queso and everything in between. Let's dive in. Hey, Christina. Welcome to the Food Freedom Podcast. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yes, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for agreeing to come onto the show, too. I know what we're going to talk about today, um, my listeners will really, really enjoy and get a lot from. So thank you again. Um, So yeah, so to start, I would love just for you to introduce yourself, um, who you are, where you live, what you do, um, just kind of a little overview.
1: Okay, Hi, I'm Christina. I'm a registered dietitian. I'm in Dallas, but I haven't lived here my whole life. I'm a Texas transplant. Um, I work, I split my life kind of evenly. I spend 40 hours a week as a full-time food service supervisor. Um, That's my moonlight. That's what I do to like afford my my actual baby, which is my private practice where I see right now it's about a 50-50 split of like eating disorders, disordered eating, and then the other half is intuitive eating.
0: Awesome. And how long have you been doing your private practice?
1: I've had my private practice now for
0: about a year and a half. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would love to hear a little bit about kind of what got you into nutrition, what led you to become a dietitian.
1: It is split between um my own strange relationship with food and then also a lot of my family has chronic illness mm-hmm. and so somewhere in my younger brain I thought oh well, I'll go to school I'll become a dietitian and I can help my family yeah. fast forward I don't actually talk to many of them about nutrition but <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> still a very helpful degree yes that's awesome yeah it's interesting I feel like a lot of dietitians get into the field for very similar things of either like our own kind of disordered relationships, relationships with food, or kind of similar of like having a family member with some sort of chronic illness. Um, and I know before we hit record, we were kind of talking about the difference between really what we learned in school and then now, kind of what we've had to almost unlearn is what you said to really give our clients the best care that they need. Um, I would love for you to expand on that a little bit just for people listening and maybe even kind of specifically speaking to people who aren't dietitians and maybe kind of don't know exactly what we're taught in school and then what we kind of have to unlearn and relearn. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah so gosh Mm -hmm. Uh, between that that undergraduate degree and that master's degree it was a bunch of calorie counting which is not helpful um and then a lot of weight bias of like assessing someone's uh success or failure based on if their weight changed or assessing someone's compliance and i'm using air quotes around compliance because there's a lot of issues and a lot of like uh privilege around saying someone is not compliant Mm -hmm um to assess that as as it goes between like if are they adhering to the intervention that we're trying to impose upon them without actually asking them permission or without actually checking to see if this is an appropriate intervention given whether they have access to the things that I'm asking them to change whether they care about the change that I'm asking them to make like there's a lot that goes on with that so I think there's a lot of unlearning as it goes towards understanding the purpose of eating. Like, mm-hmm. like if I could sum it up, it's unlearning our purpose for eating because I think somewhere yeah. along the way we turn it into, did I get enough of this macronutrient? Did I get enough of this micronutrient? And we suck every last ounce of pleasure and comfort out of
0: it. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it.
1: Yeah. So you have to try to put it all back in and take mm-hmm. out the parts that are unhelpful.
0: Yeah. 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 Cause it's really, I see this with so many clients too, of looking at food strictly as like calories, how many macros are in, how many this, how many that, and they don't see, like, the experience and the joy and the culture and all of the different things that can be in our food. Um, and really, we're not even, I think I had maybe one class in my undergrad kind of related to that But maybe it wasn't even a full class.
1: I don't think we had any classes related to just the enjoyment of (laughs) food.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think in my internship, I had like one day, no, probably one hour in one day where we just talked a little bit about like the enjoyment and kind of what different cultures, kind of how food differs. But it's like one hour is not enough to dig into that. Mm -mm, Not even a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And so one thing that I would love to talk more about and kind of pick your brain about is you mentioned you work about 50% with clients with eating disorders in your private practice. And I know for me personally, I've seen this and with a lot of my clients and even just heard this from a lot of people on social media about how it can be really hard to navigate like shopping, buying clothes, um, trying on old clothes, worrying if they're not going to fit. And, and then even like the underlying privilege that comes with that too, of being able to go buy new clothes if your clothes don't fit. But yeah, so I would love to hear a little more just kind of about how you navigate that conversation with clients of why maybe clothing can be triggering for people with eating disorders, like why that could be like a scary triggering hard thing. Um, And then, kind of, yeah, how you have that conversation with clients.
1: Yeah, clothing is probably i think what i spend at least 50 percent of my like time with my clients talking about um just because it's that hey i think it's time to get new clothes if your clothes are uncomfortable hey like maybe we could try wearing seasonally appropriate clothing that's a conversation i've been having recently of like because i'm in texas and a lot of my clients are in texas my eating Mm -hmm. disorder clients are definitely in texas and it's like hey just so you know it's like 110 degrees outside you probably it's okay to wear shorts it's okay to wear a t-shirt um and so a lot of that conversation is it starts with we talk about not internalizing it so like mm-hmm. the clothing's job is to fit you that's the sole yeah. purpose of the clothes is to be on your body and to protect you from either sunlight or the yeah, yeah. It's the elements mm-hmm. and if the clothing does not fit your body that means it's not serving its purpose the clothing has no moral value it cannot think it can't vote it can't do anything other than be on your body and, do, and serve its clothing function. Yeah. So if the clothing does not fit, that's not a problem with you, that's a problem with the clothing. Yeah. So that's, that's a lot of that initial conversation of like your clothing's job is to fit you, mm-hmm. your job is not to fit your clothes.
0: Yes, that's so good because I think we oftentimes think the opposite of like these jeans don't fit so I need to change in order to fit into them when in reality it's like No, if the jeans don't fit, that's okay. We'll get new ones. We'll figure out kind of how to cross that bridge. But like, it's not your job to fit into them. Um, And so why do you think, and maybe you see this with clients, like if they're trying on clothes that let's say maybe fit them last summer, and then this summer maybe fit their body differently, um, how do you see that being a hard thing for clients? for a lot of them it feels like
1: they failed it feels like they failed either they feel like they failed or it feels like their body failed them
0: Mm. so it's
1: a lot of that betrayal piece of like my body betrayed me I thought we were gonna do all this recovery work and stay the same size
0: yeah I'm
1: like "Mm, no that's not how that's gonna land I'm so sorry I'm like (laughs) yeah my body has to be allowed to take up the space that it needs in order for it to feel safe mm-hmm And that's a lot of what I like to remind my clients of like, Hey, your body's doing this. Mm -hmm. It's doing this to protect you. It's doing this to keep you alive. It's doing this so that you can continue to function in this world. And Mm -hmm. so it feels like they've been betrayed by their body or like they've failed at their eating disorder or they have failed at, I'm using air quotes around Mm -hmm. fail here. Yeah. Or they failed at recovery because they were supposed to do all of this work, but still maintain this like narrow concept of what is an appropriate body size. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that, gets into a lot of that internalized anti-fat beliefs that happen Mm -hmm. there so then we have to have a whole conversation around like people in larger bodies are still people they have feelings Mm -hmm. there's there's a lot there and that conversation changes depending on the size of the person that I'm talking to Mm -hmm.
0: because
1: it's one thing if they're in a small body going to a larger body but if they're already in a large body going to an even larger body there's Mm -hmm. a lot of like shame around that And so we have to have a lot of conversations around giving ourselves compassion for the fact that we feel ashamed that we didn't um, hang on to the status quo or that we didn't do what we were supposed to do um, as a form of social currency. And I like to talk to them a lot about like your body is not social currency. It's not the thing that you need to exchange for friendship or for relationship, romantic or not. Like it's not, that's not what we're exchanging. We're exchanging our like, our presence with someone. We're exchanging our intellectualness with someone, but not our actual physical body. Hmm. Um, so then it's a lot of, I do a lot of digging for my clients. I do a lot of the legwork in terms of like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm not going to send you out into the Google sphere to try to find new clothing. I'm going to make suggestions for you.
0: Yeah. So
1: it's like a very safe, um, structured environment. So I will either look up like, hey, these are places that are a lot more size inclusive. So they go from really small sizes to very large sizes. Hey, you can order these things online here and they have a great return policy sans Corona. Corona's um, yeah. jacking up all of our <laughs> Seriously, like. um, There's a company that I like to recommend that has a policy that if you purchase a pair of jeans This Mm -hmm. year, and at some point in time in the next calendar, 365 days, Mm -hmm. if they no longer fit in either direction, you're allowed to exchange them for a new pair. Wow. What company? I'm going to have to... It's called Universal Standard, and I love the company because they have very small sizes to, like, very, very large sizes, so for a lot of my clients, that feels like a much safer place to shop
0: because
1: mm-hmm. they know that there's something there for them um it is a bit of an investment because the clothing is a little bit more expensive but I think mm-hmm. it's also like a lot more ethical there's a lot going on there with that so I'm, I'm fine Love with that. that but it's really that like me doing this work of like what do I think is going to be a great brand for them to shop at that's not going to make them feel like they need to stay in a specific body size mm-hmm. but then also I teach a lot of my clients what the heck is a zipper? Like, why do we have those? Yeah. What purpose do they serve? Like, yes. is fair to, like, steal your mojo? Go, yeah. for, the, go for the elastic. Like, yes. save yourself off. Yes, it's and way then, more comfortable. It's so much more comfortable. I yeah. literally don't think I own pants currently that are, like, in my rotation that have a zipper. Yeah. Uh, and I, I definitely haven't have... worn any since coronavirus. <laughs> oh, no, I don't think I've worn any in over a year. Yeah. And I think... It helps us settle a lot easier into our fluctuating body image Mm. of like, okay, my pants still fit, even though I feel like my body changed, even though I feel more bloated right now, even though I feel insert whatever, my clothes still fit, and they're moving with me and they're not uncomfortable at the end of the day, because like, you got to eat. And I always remind my clients, I'm like, if you're going to put this clothing on, I need you to ask yourself, can I eat all of the food I need to eat in the day and get Mm -hmm. to the end of the day and still feel comfortable? Because if you're mildly uncomfortable when you put the clothes on at the beginning of the day, it's not going to work. You don't need that kind of negativity in your life.
0: Yes, yes. Um, And I love how you mentioned earlier about our body not being social currency, because that's just such a good way to frame it. Because I talk about that with clients of, you know, our body like you mentioned earlier, like with clothes not being good or bad, like our body, it's we're not good, or we're not bad, our body is just who we are. Um, And so knowing like, we're so much more than that, we bring personality, we bring intellect, we bring so many other things. But that is very countercultural, because our society tells us, the, you know, shape of our body, the color of our skin, all these different things define us um, or our social currency. Mm -hmm. Um, And so thinking through clients who kind of reach that point of maybe being in a clothing size, that's not fitting in their body anymore, whether it's up or down, whatever way, how you mentioned, you usually do kind of that, some of that legwork for clients, which I love that because I know that can be triggering If like you go to a website and I know some websites, I talk about this with clients. If you go on and you're scrolling through and you don't see anyone who looks like you and it's like, I don't feel welcome here. Like no one, whether it's the size, the color, the like able body, whatever the differences may be. It's like, if I don't see myself represented, why would I want to buy from that company? Um, so I love that you kind of do that legwork for them what are some other tips or strategies you may share with clients who are kind of in that place of needing to kind of, I guess, quote unquote, like clean up their wardrobe, tidy up their wardrobe, um, to be more, or I guess to be less triggering.
1: Um, I literally just did this this year. So, and I actually did an entire podcast episode on this on my, like on my podcast because it was a transformative experience. Uh So, um, I like set aside a, I think it was like a Saturday morning and I was like, all right, Christina, you got to clean out your closet. There's like so many things in here you're not wearing. Just get rid of them. And I had done some like Pinterest research because, you know, Pinterest knows all. Yes. (laughs) And um, one of the, I was like looking up how to like declutter. And one of the tips was don't touch it before you make the decision. Because when we touch things, we form a bond. Yeah. Because that's just how humans are designed and I'm fine with that if I know that right so I said Mm -hmm. okay I can't touch any of these things before I make the decision Mm -hmm. so I looked at the clothing I just stood in my closet and I was looking at it and I made like sweeping like okay that whole section gotta go this section right Mm -hmm. here gotta go because I'm not wearing any of it so then it was just me like yanking things off the hangers and like folding them up and throwing them in a bag and then I was like okay and I stood there and I was like oh is there anything else I want to get rid of but like Having told myself, okay, you can't touch it before you make the decision made it Mm -hmm. so much easier because it was like, oh, I haven't worn this in forever. It's not my style. I know it doesn't fit because the last time I had it on, like, it was kind of snug then. So I know it doesn't fit. So I don't have to try it on.
0: Mm.
1: And depending on where the person is in their recovery and how comfortable they feel, like, you know when that clothing doesn't fit. Like, you don't have Mm -hmm. to try it on to determine whether it does or does not fit. Yes. Yes, You know it doesn't fit, either because you're looking at it and you're like, my body's not that size anymore, or you're looking at it and it's not the same, like, like physical space that your current clothing that does fit your body takes up. Yeah. There can be that uh, body dysmorphia that can sort of distort what we have going on, and if that's the case, then you might ask a trusted person in your life to say, like, hey, no, sweetheart, like that really just is not, it's not a, not a thing. Um, but I, I made the, all of my decisions before I ever touched them. Yeah. And that was, I think, the most helpful part because then it was really easy for me to just, like, take it out of the closet. Um, it was after I, like, cleaned everything out of the closet that I had the more emotional response to it of, like, mm-hmm. I just let go of all of this clothing that was, a like, a, a, a marker of my life at that point in time. And then I just let myself feel that. Because it was important for me to, to feel that, to feel that sadness of like, okay, those were closed from college, from grad school, from my internship. Yeah. Um, those were closed for whatever random experience or event, whether it was like a graduation or like someone's wedding or something like that, like saying, okay, I'm not in that body anymore and that's okay. And then remembering like why it was okay for me to not be in that body anymore.
0: Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And I think giving yourself that space to feel is so important because it's easy. Well, it's not even easy to do something like that in general, but it's easy to go through things like that kind of on autopilot of not really wanting to let yourself feel. But then, you know, with emotions, you're eventually going to feel them, whether they kind of explode and come to the surface or how they end up presenting. But giving yourself in that moment time to recognize like, okay, this is hard. This is sad. Like, I'm letting go of these clothes, and clothes can kind of hold stories, too, like you were talking about. Like, I wore this on the first day of my internship. I wore this at my best friend's wedding, or the different stories that our clothes tell, but then knowing, like, it's okay to say goodbye to them, too. Like, they've served their purpose, and my body's changed, and now maybe my body's in a safer place than it was when I was wearing these clothing, or these clothes. Yeah, that's that's really good. And so then kind of taking that to the next step of knowing, being able to get rid of clothes that don't fit, and then potentially open up space in your closet to bring in more clothes. I know that also adds a layer of privilege of being able to just throw out clothes or donate, you know, get rid of them, however sell, just remove them from your closet and bring in new clothes isn't an easy thing to do either. Um, So how I think first maybe kind of explain a little bit more of that to our listeners of what, when we say kind of the privilege that comes with being able to buy new clothes, kind of what that even, what that means.
1: Yeah, that one, that's got some layers. It's an onion. Um, So there's the privilege, the financial privilege of being able to afford new clothes. There is the transportation privilege of being able to, like, get to the place that sells clothes. Um, And then to, like, bring them back home with you. There is the privilege of even having somewhere to store them.
0: Mm -hmm
1: right assuming that you have either the closet space the drawer space something somewhere to store the clothing mm-hmm. um there's the the body privilege of existing in a body where clothing is there's lots of clothing options for you mm-hmm. and I must say like we've come a long way in terms of like clothing for larger bodies being even remotely stylish like there's clothes now I'm like they don't make that in my size I think that's really cute yeah. and I will wear it yeah um But even then still like that clothing typically is more expensive and it's a lot harder to find. Mm -hmm. And even if there is a clothing store, you know, in the mall or like, you know, like the Tours of the World or something, the selection is still so small. And then all of the, not air quotes around extended sizes, but like the extended Mm -hmm. sizes are available online. Mm, yes. but I still can't try this on in the store to determine does this really fit my body and mm. even then like you could put the clothing on and it fits but it does nothing for you and not yeah. because it's not flattering but because you don't feel like yourself in it it feels like you're playing dress up so mm-hmm. it's important to be able to have that experience of trying it on if you're like physically able to do that because then there's also that of like being physically able to be in a store and try clothing on Mm. there's a lot of privilege in being able to like physically do that to like dress yourself or like mm-hmm. whatever like I think of um, people that I know that maybe don't have that same privilege and so there's mm-hmm. there's layers to that privilege of being able to spend your money and your time
0: yeah to go out and to purchase new clothing yeah that's yeah that's a really good way to put it and thinking about like you mentioned being able to buy clothes in store versus having to like go to a store and then realize like, oh, my size isn't available in store. I have to go online to buy it. Like it's easy for that to let that like morality kind of seep in too of like, so my size must be bad if they don't even carry it in the store. And then that adds another layer of privilege of being able to order it online. If it doesn't fit, being able to again have access to go return it and however that would happen. Um
1: There's that. And then there's also like you and I both know we have not for whatever reason we haven't come up with like universal free shipping. So like I could be I could have afforded to go in the store and purchase the clothes because there's not that, you know, five, ten, fifteen, twenty dollar shipping charge. Mm. But the second I have to order it online now I have to incur this shipping charge and a wait time.
0: Mm.
1: There's a shipping charge Mm -hmm. and a wait time. And depending on what's going on, maybe I genuinely need this clothing like none of my clothes fit and it's making it really hard for me to exist in my everyday life Mm. um I had this conversation with a friend of like when it was like really like shelter shelter in place Mm. of like none of my clothes fit like like none of my clothes fit my clothing doesn't fit my pajamas don't fit my undergarments don't fit like Mm. I think for a lot of my clients, if I can get them to get bigger, like whatever undergarments is they need to fit their actual person, like that's a game changer of like, mm-hmm. hey, just not just your clothes need to fit appropriately. Like mm-hmm. if you wear some sort of bra, that should fit appropriately. It shouldn't leave lines in you in the end of the day. If you wear whatever type of underwear you wear, that should fit appropriately. It shouldn't be like constricting your legs. It shouldn't be leaving marks on your, your person at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but having that, that shipping cost and that wait time
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: then even then when you get online you're like how do I know that this fits how do I know that this color is the color that I think it is and then it's still more expensive Mm -hmm. like it just the whole thing's a sham Whole things a sham my
0: yes and I know I have this conversation with clients all the time of depending on the different stores sizing always runs so differently too so you're like okay this is my size at one store but then I go to another store and this doesn't fit me at all like, I feel like there needs to be universal free shipping and just universal sizing across the board. like, I don't know, that makes it hard for clients for sure. Because then maybe you order something, assuming like, this is my size, it'll fit. And then it doesn't. And then adding in, like you said, all of this is like peeling back an onion. So then adding in all the emotion that comes with having to buy new clothes, where maybe you order pants in a bigger size and then they still don't fit and so then it's like okay how do I process those emotions and go through just the kind of logistics of now having to return them and buy a larger size it's yeah definitely multifaceted and I think this is because I have clients that are
1: uh, masculine and like I feel like Not that they don't have their own body image struggles because they do. Yeah. But I feel like the clothing arena is a little bit more cut and dry of Mm -hmm. like if this is the pant size, is the pant size regardless of where I go. Yes. And it's like, oh, why can't we get that? Like, what is it with like feminine clothing that makes yes. people like I can just bend the rules however I want like stop that yes. stop that yes. make this universal please
0: seriously I feel like it would make everything so much easier it,
1: it would easier. but then I think that that would easily dismantle the diet industry if all the clothing size were universal
0: yeah that's good I, talk a little more to that that's really good
1: um I f- think about it right so if all the cl- like if I can go to every single store and know that this clothing item fits I don't feel the need to change my body so instantaneously, because I put this clothing on in the store and it didn't fit, even though if I had the same size on in a different store, it would fit, right? Yeah. That instantaneous, oh, I need to change my body because I feel shame because it didn't, it didn't fit these, this clothing. Mm. That goes away because if it's a universal size, no matter where I go,
0: the clothing fits. Yeah, that's so true. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, and then how do you see thinking of clothing and, like, Mannequins in the store, like models online, pictures blown up in the store. How do you see that? Maybe also kind of tapping into like the diet industry, or tapping into like people's yeah the emotion of shopping.
1: Listeners can't see my face. <laughs> <laughs> just, oh man, so uh, many images flooding in at the same time. Yeah. Um, so for reference again, the listeners can't see me. I'm a black female. So there's some layers here that come up for me as I think about walking into the store because I have the privilege of walking into the store, right? Mm -hmm. I'm able-bodied. Walking into a store, and I distinctly remember, like I was in my internship in a mall in Tulsa, Oklahoma, when Mm -hmm. I saw a black model in a store.
0: Mm -hmm. And And
1: not that we obviously don't have black models in the store, but this was a store that like historically had not had like black images yeah. in their store and so it was like I saw it and she had like curly natural hair and I was just like
0: mm-hmm.
1: get wow. out of here like I feel like I'm it's okay for me to be in the store for the first time ever in my life even though I've shopped here forever yeah. um that to like see that to see that representation is so important like I know Target recently has been upping their game like I saw an ad with someone who had and I feel, like, real strange for saying, like, they had, like, a, I don't want to call it bionic, but it was, like, a, like, a electronic sort of arm deal. Uh-huh. I just, like, rewound the ad. I thought that was, like, the coolest thing ever to see someone with a different body part than what I would have for whatever reason they have this, like arm appendage right like to see that to see someone in a larger body with stretch marks to see someone who doesn't have that conventional feminine form but just like their body is the way that it is like target really like upped their game in terms of like their representation in their ads and that for me for me personally, it makes me feel safe to shop there. It makes me feel welcome. It makes me feel included. So I can only imagine what that would feel like for other people who are seeing for the first time disabled models in mainstream ads or seeing, you know, uh, Black, Indigenous, people of color in mainstream mm-hmm. ads. Mm-hmm. And then as that relates to diet culture, like that gets to dismantle diet culture because you're seeing mm-hmm. yourself represented. So you don't really feel the need to change. You feel like, okay, I'm welcome here. Like, I don't have to change my body size. I don't have to do something. I don't have to magically make myself more abled. I'm allowed to mm-hmm. exist the way that I am.
0: Yeah. And
1: historically, those, those ads were atrocious, just awful, mm-hmm. of just very, very thin cisgender white women. And that's all mm-hmm. we had. That's mm-hmm. all I had growing up. And so I just remember being like, well, I just need to do better to, to be like that. Mm-hmm. When in actuality that day was never going to come, because at no point in time am I going to be a thin white woman
0: yeah. Uh, Only thing I can hold onto <laughs> is the womanness. Everything else,
1: I yeah. have to let go. Yes. Uh, but I think okay. that, like, the more that we put other bodies into that representation, the easier it is for us to dismantle that belief that that incessant diet culture belief that I have to change my body in order to be acceptable. Mm-hmm. When in fact, we need to change the culture in order to include other bodies.
0: Yes. Oh, I love the way you phrase that. Cause it's so, yeah, so true. Cause it's so easy. I mean, like you talked about your lived experience to walk into a store and finally see someone like you represented. And so then it's like, I feel welcome here. And so no wonder shopping can be so triggering for so many different reasons, but that being one of them of like, if you get up the like emotional like strength to be able to just, go shopping, buy new clothes, but then you walk in and you don't see yourself represented. It's so easy to walk away. Um, and I think something that, I mean, I think even digging into like my privilege, it's like I haven't had that lived privilege. And so being able to learn from people like you and people who are willing to share their story is really helpful just for me and for my listeners. I know as I navigate conversations with clients to kind of know, I think for me knowing what to make sure I like give space for my clients to process like all of the layers of shopping and expanding their wardrobe and shedding layers of clothes that don't fit and all of that um, because it's so much more than just, throwing this out because it doesn't fit buying a new pair that does fit like it's so much more complex than that
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and those uh, mannequins have gotten a lot better i must say yeah. i yeah. was yeah. walking. where was i think probably was target because that's the only place <laughs> i ever go no, i love it uh, target is <laughs> a heavy place yes um but like i just remember like walking past the like like lingerie section mm-hmm. and i just like stopped and looked at the mannequin and i was like yo like I don't know if we're the same size, but, like, that feels pretty similar. And it was just this, like, no judgment, like, cause we've made it yeah. to a place in our own head that there's no judgment. But yeah. it was more of, like, this comforting thing of, like, no, that's, like, a, like, a regular schmegular mannequin lady there. Yeah. Like, and just, to, I'm like, okay, so that's kind of how that might look on my body should I choose to wear that. But there was no, like, internal shame of, like, you need to do a specific thing. But just, like, being able to see that, because mm-hmm. I think it's, mannequins serve the purpose for us to understand how clothing is going to hang on a body. Cause I think that's an important thing to know mm-hmm. so that, you know, is this long enough or not yeah. Do I need this to be in a bigger size or a smaller size or not, you know, depending on what's going on there. Mm-hmm. But I think if we only see mannequins in certain sizes, that makes it really hard for us to grasp the concept because yeah. as bodies change shape and get larger, things are going to hang differently. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a conversation I have a lot of times with my clients of like, which is why I do a lot of legwork on like brand research to understand like yeah. this brand was not made with you in mind. Mm. So don't feel the need to change for that brand. Yeah. That's so good. Cause like I, I grew up with the Hollisters and the Abercrombies of the world. Mm. They were not thinking about me when they made those closings. Like mm. they were not thinking about me when they made those jeans. Yeah. They were thinking about me when they made those shirts. And so mm. I had to learn, like I don't need to change my body for that store yeah. That store needs to get with the times, but yes. they're probably never going to get with the times. And you know what? That's your yeah. dollar, not mine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take my dollars where like I was thought of when they made that clothing.
0: Yeah. Mm. That's so good. What are some brands that you, I know you mentioned one earlier, but what are some brands that you either typically shop yourself or will recommend for clients? Um, yeah.
1: yeah. So my, if we're online shopping, I love universal standard. If you have the coins to afford it, it is a little bit more on the pricey side, but it's more like investment stuff. Yeah. Uh, And the, like the quality of the clothing is really good. Um, Mm -hmm. I also, um, I don't personally have experience with Eloquii, but that's also because I'm not there Demographic, Their clothing does not fit me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is uh, larger size, extended size clothing. Yeah. And they have a lot of options there online. Again, a little bit pricier. Um, if you have one, because I know there's privilege in having a target. I had to learn that in grad school, that there is privilege in having a target. Because yeah. their, their <laughs> locations are based
0: on median income. Wow, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Isn't that I, now yeah. that I kind of like envision where i've seen targets it makes sense but wow yeah that's wild yeah because
1: the place that i did my internship in stillwater oklahoma one of the reasons they couldn't get a target is one because they had too many walmarts they like it was written in that they had to wait so many years after building a walmart to add the target but then also the median income of stillwater just does not meet what they would require to sustain a target Mm. which is like i'm target queen over here yeah Um, but target has like consistently added more and more and more to their like style repertoire, but mm-hmm. then also like have made a lot more inclusive choices around like clothing as it required, like, uh, relates to ethics. So like, I always recommend target. Like if you have one near you, yeah. you can, like slide in there. Um, I'm trying to think who else I've let go of some of the more fast fashion options personally, mm-hmm. just based on my own ethics, but like, yeah. um, H&M, for the longest time I shopped there, um, we, we don't really, I mean, you can shop at Forever 21. I
0: just, I feel <laughs> yeah. like I'm a little, a little too old for now. I know. Just a little. Like, like, Forever 21, well, I'm not currently 21, so I don't know. <laughs> I haven't been 21 at all. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: I also, as I've got, I feel, like, mature enough now to shop mm-hmm. at, like, The Loft, and uh, they yeah. have quite a few size options. They also have options for people in, like, shorter bodies, which I think is helpful
0: yeah
1: um those are the places that I typically recommend to people Mm -hmm. and then I will like do extra internet dives to try to figure out other things because like my style is very narrow but Mm -hmm. obviously not everybody dresses like me
0: yeah yeah no those are all great brands and random side note but I'm recently in the past few years gotten really into kind of the like fast fashion versus slow fashion and I was actually looking on H&M's website the other day and they're endeavoring into being more like ethical sustainable like talking about where they're getting where their clothing's being built all, or being built being made um yeah they have like an entire like ethical line within their
1: house that's like the I think it's called logic which is like if I, I can't say whether it's made in the states or not but it's like more yeah. ethical it's usually a little bit more expensive compared to their other items yeah um, that fast fashion side I'm like ah come on H&M but then that slow fashion side I'm like, Ooh, okay and I've had some clothing from there the only thing is like it runs kind of small mm-hmm. and so in my current body I just don't think it like fits the most comfortably mm-hmm. and so I was like okay and not that I couldn't size up to the other side but then I also don't think that that other side was made for me like my body mm-hmm. just that really in between of like and this is where that like you have to not internalize it comes back in it is like yeah. This side doesn't fit me because it runs too small. And that side doesn't fit me because I don't, I don't necessarily need that extension in
0: those areas. Yes. Yes. That makes sense. So being able to look at clothing for just like, this is serving the purpose of clothing me. So if it doesn't fit, that's okay. Um, yeah, that's good. Clothing is functional. It's not
1: like, it's, it's, it's functional and it's an expression of who you are, but it's yeah. not who you are. It's just the yeah. expression of who you are. It's, like, yeah. how you decorate your person, but, like, yeah. ultimately, the clothing is not you. Like, you can't, like, hope, I don't know, maybe you can't look at my wardrobe and tell that that's me, but then realistically, like, I'm pretty sure there's, like, half a million other people who have those same shirts. Like,
0: yes, <laughs> yes, who may be very different personality-wise, character, like, so different than you, but maybe you have the same style of clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for this conversation. This is going to be so helpful. And I think even kind of now as we're kind of somewhat near the end of summer and kind of tapping into, even though it's not super soon, to be yeah. in, in Nashville, Tennessee. That's why you said the end of summer.
1: And I'm just like, what are you talking about? Sorry. <laughs> 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 oh
0: yeah, I'm, I'm in yeah. Dallas. So, so it's not like over until so, like... October (laughs) yes which is funny that I say that because I'm originally from um, Charleston South Carolina where it's like summer is pretty much like 11 months out of the year so now I'm like I've been in Tennessee too long but yeah Nashville gets somewhat fall weathered, like September so we're still not close but as we're eventually tapping into kind of transitioning wardrobes I think this will be a helpful conversation too. So the way I like to end episodes is I love to hear a, just a favorite food memory that you have, whether it's from growing up or a restaurant you love or a specific recipe you make, or just a favorite food memory you have. Cause one of um, the big passions I have with clients and with, um, people that I talk with is helping people realize that food is more than just food. And we talked about this, this might've been before we hit record too. We talked about how food is so much more than just calories, macronutrients, et cetera, et cetera. So I would love to hear just a favorite food memory that you have um i'll
1: share a recent food memory because i have quite a few that like date back forever into my childhood but i think this one will be really helpful for a lot of your listeners um i went to fancy which is like a massive gathering of dietitians. which you can imagine how that would go um but i went to fancy in 2019 that would be the appropriate time stamp there and I like met uh, some dietitians that I like still talk to to this day lovely women um and they were like hey you want to go get dinner and I was like sure I had no idea what restaurant we were going to right talk about like a younger version of me would have been terrified absolutely terrified yeah. the older version of me was like sure let's go we'll just figure it out when we get there yeah and like so we go we land in this restaurant and I like it was just like farm to table like super like cozy like you almost can't see because the lights aren't on and there's three candles on the table best food experience I think I've had probably in the last like year and a half of my life because yeah. it was just like I'm at this restaurant I have no idea what the menu is and I'm just going to figure it out when I get here yeah instead of having to like look it all up and find out everything that's going on mm-hmm. and then just being able to choose in the moment and I cannot explain to you how delicious mm-hmm. that pumpkin and butternut squash macaroni um like the oh. was yum. Because it was just like it was that time of year, so the pumpkins were fresh. Mm. And oh my! Oh my! I still want it. Like I yeah. have and then I'm like I need that. <laughs> it was so good, and then oh, that I had this like pumpkins. It was like a pumpkin themed thing I had going yes. on here. Yes, Everybody I else like at the table it. had something else. I was just down for the pumpkin. Yes. Really so I had like this pumpkin cider, these pumpkin and butternut squash like raviolis, mm. and then I had. At the end, I had um, this pumpkin creme brulee.
0: Ooh, yeah! So, like, the
1: whole, like, pumpkin like, like, everything, extravaganza. Yeah. Like, then, all the other ladies at the table all ordered, like, everybody ordered something different, and we were able to just, like, try off of everyone's plate. Yes. And then it was it was just this experience where I was like, hey, I'm just in this restaurant, don't know what's going on, we're just going to mm-hmm. figure it out, don't care about the calories, don't care yes. about the ingredients, don't care about the nutrients. And just like sitting and having conversation with people and not feeling like Mm -hmm. I need to be so absorbed in my plate, but then also Mm -hmm. just genuinely being excited by what's on my plate because it tastes really good. Mm -hmm.
0: I love that. Yeah. What a great, like, it's like here, like I still get it. And you can like almost like still taste it when you talk about it. It's like, (laughs) I love that. And that's so true about um, just like the spontaneous nature of that, like being able to go to a restaurant and try new things, not have to look at the menu before, and it's so enjoyable, and a memory that you will always remember, and then when you add in, like, community, and meeting new people, and maybe being in a new place, and all of that, yeah, I love that story, Um, so lastly, I would love for you to share where people can find you, because you have an amazing Instagram account, which is how I found you. I love what you post. I'm always so inspired by it. So I would love just for you to share where listeners can find you. I am on the
1: internet. You can find me on Instagram at encouraging dietitian or for my slightly more snarky side, you can find me on Twitter at encouraging RD. And I also publish a podcast intuitive eating for the culture.
0: Yeah, awesome.
1: it's it's. I like to talk about the intersection of intuitive eating and like actual lived experience that goes a little bit beyond the uh, Instagram hashtag intuitive eating. Yes, I um, gotta make
0: it inclusive. Gotta gotta bring all the people to the table. Yes, uh, bring all the people. I love that. Well, Christina, thank you so much for taking time to come on the show. It means so much to me. I know. I learned a lot and have things that I'll take to sessions with clients. And I know that everyone listening is going to be so encouraged by everything you shared. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Food Freedom Podcast. If you're curious how you can support our podcast and help it reach more people like you, we would love if you would take a minute to rate and review the show. And be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. We'll see you next episode.